Hey, today we're doing a studio tour of this place I get to work out of every day, the Dot of studio. So I love this place. For me, it just turns on inspiration. When I come in here, my creativity is just ignited. And I think that's so important uh, as a creative, as an artist, as a songwriter, to have a space that can act as like a, an ignition switch for that inspiration. So I want to show you my studio because I love watching a studio tour of somebody else and just getting ideas from them and just being inspired by their creative space. So hopefully I can do that for you today. I'm going to show you the acoustics, the general design, um, some of the little quirks that make this studio unique. I'm going to show you my workspace and how all that works, some of the plugins that I use. So it's going to be a bit of fun. So let's have a look through my studio, the Dot of That Studio. So I was fortunate enough to be able to build this studio from scratch as a purpose-built recording studio. My dad and my brother are carpenters, so together, I mean, I picked up a hammer at least, at least two times during this build, which was amazing. We were able to build it um, and design it and get it exactly how I wanted, so very, very lucky, very, very blessed in that sense. So basically this is made up of two main rooms. I've got the control room here where I mix from, I've got the live room. So basically anytime we're using a microphone, we're gonna be in that live room. So I'm gonna come back and talk in detail about those in a little bit. I think one thing that's super unique about this studio design that I haven't seen in any other design is that the glass, so the viewing area between the live room and the control room is to the side. So you walk in uh, on the right here, through glass doors, soundproof glass doors, and then you've got the control room, and then on the other side is the live room. So this room is symmetrical with glass on the left and the right. Rather than being behind the speakers there, looking forward like you get, like you see in most studios. And for me, I just wanted absorptive material behind the speakers. I think the worst place to have a reflective surface in a studio is right behind the speakers because you're gonna get some sound coming from your speakers and some sound reflecting off that glass coming. So you're gonna get a distorted image of what you're supposed to be hearing. So absorptive material behind the speakers meant you couldn't have glass. So it works really well to have it on the side. These two walls here are separated by 12 degrees, so you're not getting flutter echo between those two highly reflective surfaces. So I think that works super well. Um, I'm very happy with that design. Uh, I've made sure this control room is six meters long here, so the lowest frequency that our human ears can hear, 20 hertz, can fit inside this room. Um, it's a little bit nerdy, a little bit scientific if you want to look into that, but basically the, the time it takes the sound pressure, negative to positive, a full cycle at those low 20 hertz takes about six meters to do. So if you've got a room small than that, you're gonna be hearing the reflection of that sound before the actual sound finishes coming through. So six meters was super important. 12 degrees either side of me was super important so you got no flutter echoes. And then you'll see this back wall here behind me is all diffusion. So there's some bass traps in the corners, but in the middle is these, uh, it's a 4B2, 4 4B2, 4 4B2, Sound, I'm sure I'm sound tradey, I'm not. Uh, cut into 800 little pieces and they're on quite a steep angle, 24 degrees, uh, all over the place. So basically as sound hits that, some of it's been absorbed by the couch there, the rest is hitting that and it's not coming back to me as a blanket sound, as an echo, it's coming back to me as a scatter. So again, I've got absorptive behind my speakers, so what I'm hearing coming towards me is a single source and what I'm hearing coming behind me isn't absorbed and dead and nothing, but it's not bouncing back, it's kind of scattered so the, the sound is staying in the room, but it's not coming back as an echo, which means my mix position here, right in the perfect spot in the middle of this symmetrical uh, room, 
is perfect left and right, sounds the same, and it's perfect back to front, sounds the same. So I'm really, I'm so stoked with this mixing room. And if I go to another studio, I'm gonna try and redesign this control room exactly the same as this, because it works so well. So something else uh, super unique that I'm proud of, my dad is very clever, is this mic cabinet I've got just up here. There's a few mics missing at the moment because they're on the drum kit. But that is a mic, the end of a mic cable um, glued into the timber there. So the mics can just clip in and out like they do on a mic cable, which means they stand straight up like that. Uh, there's, I think there's 20, I think there's 24 microphones I can put in there. There's a front level and a back level. Um, so my mics just live up there all the time and there's no dust in here. So they're fine out of their cases and it's just good. I can just go and grab them whenever I need it, but they look cool. And it, it's right as you walk in the door, it's kind of the first thing you see. There's a little mic cabinet there, which is on display, which is awesome. These match that on the other side uh, with cables. So the cables all hang above the doors there, which I think is super cool. Unique to this studio is just the way I went about the acoustic design, right? So I've got, um, like I talked about, the symmetrical, so sound isn't bouncing around, but then how you control that sound is still very, very important. So I've got these compressed fiberglass panels that I use um, throughout the studio in various places. I've got some big absorptive panels that I've made that are rock wool inside of a timber frame that is then wrapped in black fabric. So they're absorbing a lot of sound. Got quite a few of those throughout the studio. And then we've got all these DIY diffusers. So like we talked about, this is scattering the sound. So I think a mistake a lot of people make is making this the room really, really dead so you get no echoes and reverbs. And that's true, you don't, but you also get a really dead sound. So you're having to put a ton of high end in and reverb just to get it to sound real again. So what I've gone for here is kind of a hybrid method where there's a lot of absorption just to control the sound, but then there's a lot of diffusion. So the sound is not really escaping the room, it's in the room, it's bouncing around as reverb and kind of creates a brightness and a, a sort of sparkle. So there's always that sort of real natural sounding uh, acoustics in the room, but it's always controlled. It's never as a long reverb, it's never as a slapback delay. Uh, it's just in there and it's lively and it sounds very natural yet controlled in here. So uh, quite a few different diffusers that we just made out of timber from Bunnings. Um, just put some angles on those, strategically put them in the room at different angles to create that diffusion. And then kind of got this, I don't love it to be honest. Uh, when I put there, I thought it was a good idea to put this checker plate behind the drum kit here. I don't love it. I think it's it's too striking for me, but it's kind of become iconic for this studio. So a lot of the bands that would come in and record, uh, you know, you're always taking photos of your recording process. So this uh, wall here, this checker plate wall, ends up in a ton of Instagram profiles. It's been uh, a heap of bands' um, profile pics. So it's kind of become iconic to Dot of That Studio. It's very recognizable as this studio, even though, to be honest, I don't love it. And if I had my time again, I probably would do it again. But yeah, it is a cool little feature. So that's kind of absorbing as well as some of it being reflective. So that acts as an absorber and a diffuser. My corners are all padded out with these big bass traps. So I tried to take out as many, or pretty much all the corners uh, in the studio with these big bass traps. So just behind that thin piece of MDF, it's just packed with rock wool in behind there. So it's, it's capturing all those low frequencies, which is the hardest thing about uh, recording and about acoustics. If you've ever gone to your car and it's just this amount of bass in your mix is crazy because 
you didn't realize how much bass was in your room, so you're tuning all your low end out, and then you go and listen to it somewhere else, and there's a ton of bass. Very, very easy to happen. Uh, so these bass traps throughout the studio in all the corners, just make sure that doesn't happen. So what I'm hearing in my speakers here is the same thing you should be hearing in your speakers when you hear one of my mixes. I've tried to be able to be pretty versatile with the lighting in here. So all the lighting is smart lighting. I can change the colors, I can change the temperature. So sometimes you just want it to feel really bright, uh, like daytime in here. There's no natural light in here. There's glass, but they're not windows to the outside. So it can, it's completely dark in here, so you can really light it how you want. Sometimes a really warm, dim, mood lighting with a bit of blue to balance the orange is cool. Sometimes you just want to crank it and uh, have a really daylight sort of bright feel um, if you're trying to get through some songwriting or something within a group. So I, I wanted to make the lighting really, really versatile, which I think is cool. And I've got complete control of that, which is magic. So within that, the recording spaces, let's have a look at this live room here. So I've gone for a live end, dead end approach. Um, just the way the bathroom is set up behind that wall means that it's kind of in an L shape, um, which does help to control that sound as well. So what I've got up here is a, what I call a bright end. So the ceiling's a bit high. You can see there's barely any absorption on these walls. Uh, these panels are taking some of it, but there's a lot of exposed wall, a lot of diffusion along this wall and on the roof there. Um, a nice hard, wood floor this is great for strings or drums or anything you want sort of live there is a fair bit of like uh, resonance in there you can hear reverb if you clap there's a bit of a tail it's quite bright it's still controlled still sounds predictable but it is kind of live and up the other end here very absorbed you can see uh, this sort of spider light system it's really cool everyone loves that again lots of photos in there and I've kind of made that warm it's always got warm lights in there very closed off so you can hear the difference if you're in there it's really dead that's why you get that classic recording studio sound if you're doing something really intricate on acoustic guitar you can capture every nuance there without getting lots of reverb around uh, and also i'll do all my vocals in there as well because again it's quite controlled um, because it's open on one side it's not completely dead so it still sounds quite natural but it's very very controlled and then you've got this bit in the middle here where i've got the couches at the moment and that's sort of in between it's a little it's not completely dead it's definitely not completely live so it's kind of a neutral place in the middle there it's just a great sounding live room anytime you chuck a microphone in that room and record it just sounds really good so let's have a look at some of this equipment i use i am an in the box songwriter i'm an in the box producer which means the only bit of outboard gear i have that i use ever are either these guitar amps. I do love running guitar through a real amp if I get the opportunity. Even though this isn't like a high-end amp, this is just a Line 6. Um, it is, it's digital on the front, but it does have a couple of tubes in there, so it sounds nice and warm. I might run through my bass cab here, but basically this Sans amp that I've got here next to my desk is basically the only bit of outboard gear that I have, and all that really is is a preamp. So I don't have outboard compressors, I don't have any of that stuff I mix in the box, which means I, I take in a dry signal from this PreSonus desk, which I absolutely love. This is a Series 3 PreSonus. It just works super well. The, the preamps are really clean. There's a ton of headroom in them. Um, I'm not getting that sort of hissy sound if I'm pushing them really hard, which sometimes I have to do if I'm using my ribbon mics or something like that. Uh, just really clean and it just goes in natural. So I'm not using onboard, outboard gear, sorry. So it just comes in clean. Uh, and then from there, it's just everything is just plugins. So the reason I love using this desk rather than an interface like an Apollo or something is because I get 
quite a few bands in here. I can mix those bands live and give them monitor mixes with reverbs and everything. So I can kind of use the desk as a live sound desk and then record the channels on the back end, which works really good. So sometimes I take this out to do live recording somewhere. And again, I can just mix it live. It sounds great in that room, but I'm getting the channels into the studio clean and ready to work with without any compression or anything like that on them. Uh, sometimes if a singer, I can put a ton of compression on the singer, I can give them a nice reverb. So they're in that room there. Sounds amazing to them, but I'm not having to commit to those settings as I'm recording. So it gives me some flexibility later uh, when I'm kind of on the own in the mix that I can give it the treatment that I need. So this desk is absolutely brilliant. It's got a ton of outputs as well, so I can run to my different sets of monitors. My main monitors here are these Atoms AX7s, uh, which are absolutely amazing. This uh, ribbon tweeter sounds beautiful. These KRKs I've had for about 15 years. They're my, they're my tried and tested. I know what they sound like. It's not a very good sound, but it's a sound that I recognize. And I've got a subwoofer under the behind the desk as well to match those. So if I ever want to get that real low end, I'll use a subwoofer. But generally I'm just mixing on these atoms without any sub. Uh, behind me, I've got these old hi-fi speakers that somebody gave me. They're from the 70s and they just sound like really good speakers. They got great low end, they got great high end. So basically this is, if they sound good on these speakers, I know they're gonna sound good uh, generally in the car or something like that. So kind of the last point I'll do is um, crank them through these speakers and that will kind of expose if the bottom end is too much or if the top end's too present. Or sometimes my full studio monitors have a brilliant mid-range, but you know, it's not, it doesn't sound like a home speaker, whereas these guys do, so they're really good. Um, and then I'll mix in headphones or check that off as well. So the PreSonus allows me just to set up outputs to all of those speakers without having to buy any extra gear. I can just, with faders, move up and down uh, and kind of blend those together. If I want to blend them together, I don't normally because of phase issues, but I can just with one button kind of switch between the different speakers and check things off. As far as the plugins I'm using, I have a Slate Digital subscription. That is the main thing I'm using, my reverbs and delays. I love the Slate stuff. Also love Isotope for the, for the very last uh, stage. If I'm doing any mastering, I'll use that. They're kind of my go-to plugins. I do have a few others that I'm using, but I'm not, I'm not a gear guy. I really don't. I don't get all crazy over gear. If it works for me, if it gets the sound I want, then that's the kind of thing I go for. So I don't have stacks and stacks of stuff that I don't use. Pretty much what I've got in the studio, I'm using all the time. And that is the same with my plugins. So I buy something if there's a need for it, um, if it'll speed up my workflow, or if it'll get me a sound that I'm not able to get with other plugins, um, I'll grab that. But I, I just don't have, I don't have a million. I don't feel like I need a million. For microphones, I use Audix on drums. So the D6 on a, on a kick drum is insane. The I5 is really great in the snare. Um, and then the D2 and 4 in the toms sound amazing. For my vocals, I use an AT4050. Audio Technica 4050 is kind of my go-to microphone for vocals. It's really clean, large diaphragm condenser. I've got SM57s. I've got this guy, which I use a fair bit if I'm doing acoustic guitar. I've also got a, a Rode NT2, which I've had for about 15 years, which sounds really good as well. I've um, got a couple of ribbon mics. I've got the SER ribbon mics that I use on the overheads for the drums, sometimes on acoustic guitar if I want that really, really warm sound. Um, but yeah, they're kind of my go-to mics. Again, I don't have heaps. I mean, that locker's usually full. I've got a lot of doubles, like I've got a few 57s, I've got a few 58s and all the drum mics. But uh, yeah, my AT4050 is where I'll go to most of the time. 
Um, this guy is great if I'm doing live vocals. If I'm recording a singer that's in the same room as some guitars or something like that, this guy sounds really, really good. This is an RE20. Uh, sounds really, really good, and you can get it's got great rejection. It doesn't have proximity either, so you can get close and far away, and it doesn't change the bottom end. So this guy's cool, actually. I should mention I use Cubase Pro for my DAW. I love it. I've been using it for uh, 20 years since 2002. I think I got my first. I got Cubase SX3. We're now up to Cubase Pro 12. Um, and it is just, I just love it. I don't need for anything else. It's got great stock plugins. It's just really, really intuitive. It's got really good balance between audio uh, and virtual instruments with uh, MIDI or something like that. Really, really cool. Love it. It's editing flow is amazing. It's so intuitive. Uh, if you don't have one or if you're struggling with yours or if Pro Tools keeps crashing on you, get Cubase. As far as my workflow in the studio here, I'm quite systematic. I will do all the recording and then do all the editing, then do all the mixing, then do all the mastering. And sorry, and before that, do all the songwriting. Don't like to be still writing parts while I'm recording. Don't like to be tweaking sounds and reverbs and settings and stuff while I'm recording. So for me, workflow is really important. So I, I try to, to keep them separate. And I feel like it uses different parts of my brain anyway. When I'm in a mix, I just want to be in a mix. I don't want to be pulling up edits and trying to make sure that's in time or whatever. I want to do all of that. And then once I start mixing, just be able to change things based on creativity. If it, if it feels like it needs that to do it rather than swapping back, back and forth. And I'll do it in a different session as well. So I think this is probably different to most producers, but once I've edited, I'm going to bounce out all those tracks as completed ready to go tracks and then import that into a mix template and go from there. So I'm not mixing over edited messy track my software always looks really really neat and organized and i just like working that way it kind of if i can get that clutter out of my way it works really really well which is basically what i love most about the studio is that it's workflow it, it's set up for workflow i should say so my guitars are just set here all the time uh, my acoustic guitar uh, the bass the electric guitar the piano is here good to go. The drum kit is in there. It's always marked up. It means workflow can just happen. I feel like nothing kills inspiration and creativity more than having to go through a massive setup phase uh, before you can record something, you know, before you can play something. So the workflow for that is really, really important to me. And it's why I actually love this. Another reason I love this digital desk is it's got digital preamp settings. So you can just recall guitar, you can recall bass, you can recall kick drum. So even if you've used that channel for something else, once you go to create, it's just bang and you're ready to go. So workflow, that is really important for me on the way in. And then when I'm mixing as well, just to keep it all nice and clean uh, is really, really helpful for my workflow on the back end in the production side. The number one tip if you want to set up your recording space, I would say is make it creative. Make sure that you can, it's a place where you can just flick on inspiration. If you've got an hour to sit down and songwrite before you've got to go and do that errand or whatever, Make sure you can just flick on and within three minutes you're creating music and you feel like creating music because of your space. You do not want to spend half an hour plugging stuff in, getting the mood right and then all of a sudden you start recording and then you've got to go and do your thing. So set up a place that just inspires creativity, inspires inspiration and then along with that, that your workflow is good to go. So there's not many steps between you picking up your instrument and recording that idea or that inspiration that you've got. So like you've gathered from this uh, video here, I am a producer, so if you, if you write music and you want some help with that, you need someone to help you 
finish that, whether it's songwriting or producing, you can definitely get in contact with me. I've got this songwriting workshop. Uh, I really think you should jump on that. If you're a songwriter, if you're someone who writes and produces music, the system that I teach in that, I reckon will really, really help you out. So jump on my free songwriting workshop. Uh, it's very, very easy. Just go to the website via the link down the bottom and I hope to see you in there. If you want to see me actually produce a song in this studio, I uh, wrote a song for my good friend, Megan Woods, and we produced that. Um, you can watch that whole process in this video.